spirituality, consciousness, health, and mindset. Welcome to the Ascend Podcast. We're your hosts. I'm Chris Hopper. And I'm Dan Harrison. Together, we are all wisdom and knowledge. Hey, what is up everyone? This week on the Send Podcast, we dive into part two of delving into the world of the nature of reality once again with Tom Campbell. And part part one was a killer conversation. We had so much great feedback from you guys. Thank you so much. And we're just so looking forward to sharing with you part two as we delve into so much more interesting stuff. We delve into what happens after we die, our human avatars, free will, gravity, time, And this is absolutely packed with so many fascinating areas. I know you're going to love it. And just in case you guys didn't happen to listen to part one with Tom Campbell, Tom is a former NASA physicist. He worked for the Missile Defense Department and also has out-of-body experiences on his resume. And Tom Campbell began researching states of consciousness with Bob Monroe at the Monroe Laboratories in the early 1970s. And Tom has been experimenting with and exploring the subjective and objective mind ever since. And for the past 30 years, Tom has been focused on scientifically exploring the pop properties and boundaries and abilities of consciousness. And that is basically a smidge of Tom's amazing credentials. And if you haven't listened to part one, I would recommend checking that out. But if you do just want to delve into this one, that is all good because this one could easily stand alone in terms of what we talk about. But if you do want to do some more research before we do jump all over in this one, as we definitely do, I would recommend checking out and diving into Tom's work, check out his book My Big Tour, or even delve into the universal mind that is YouTube, and he has loads of many videos on there that are all free. So just before we do jump with this one, if you guys are loving the podcast, you can now support the podcast by going to our Patreon page. And Patreon allows you guys to crowdfund this thing and in the process you get received some really cool rewards. As you know, we've never bombarded you guys with stupid ads or products. And if you are loving the podcast, just please spare a few minutes and just check out the different tiers. And we've also now set up a new reward tier called The Mind Awakens. So a lot of you guys were asking asking us if we could set up a group where all of us like-minded people could just come together and share some ideas, have some fun and just go deep down the rabbit hole all together. So we've now decided to set up that. And basically we have called it the Ascend Community Hangout. And basically it's just going to be a group of where like-minded people, a community of like-minded people can all come together in one spot, ask some deep questions, talk about some deep topics with me and Chris and just have a bit of fun. And we all know it can be hard to find other people who do want to engage in these deep topics. And me and Chris are exactly the same boat as you. We just want to have deep conversations with other like-minded people as well. So we would love if you all could joining on that that would be absolutely amazing so anyway the first hangout is now going to be in about two weeks time and if you guys do want to join in on the fun conversations to hang out and do want to be involved in the first official ascend community hangout join up before then and we would love to speak and connect with you all so if this does tickle your fancy please head over to our patreon page join the community support the podcast and this can be found at the Ascend website or go to www.patreon slash Ascend. So anyway, let's jump deep down with this one. Anyway, part two with Tom Campbell. Enjoy. Wow. 
<laughs> that was amazing that mind blown yeah. there by the way and something as well I keep my mind there as well I want to ask you about this as well Tom as well when you were saying that it came to my mind there um, was gravity I was I was lo- love to ask you this do you actually think you know like in terms of gravity because there is many different theories out there in terms of gravity could you could it actually be that to tie into the simulation theory as well could it actually be that the reason why gravity is there is because it's sort of um, it's sort of the rendering pro- to do with the rendering process yeah, gravity is there because it's part of the rule set. Yeah. You know, gravity is just like all the rest of the fundamental um, quantities. The fundamental things in physics are mass, time, space, charge, spin. Uh, maybe I've missed some, but, the, you know, all those kinds of things. And gravity. Physicists have no idea where any of those things come from. Yeah. Yet those are the fundamentals that make up everything else everything else is made up out of those things you see and those things which are the basic building blocks down at the very bottom level science has no idea where they come from you know where's time come from where's mass come from where's charge come from see now we can we can deal with it we can measure charge but we have no idea where charge comes from we can say oh yeah well it comes from little electrons but you know where does that charge come from see so Physics doesn't know. Where does gravity come from? It's the same thing. All of those are just parts of the rule set. In order to create this virtual reality to be a stable, a long-term stable simulation, then it had to have a very particular rule set that would do that. And this rule set had to have ways that that uh, the pieces of it would pull together. Well, they, you know, that's gravity. That's part of the rule set. It had to have stuff in it. Well, that's the mass, you know, and the space. It needed space for it. So all this was part of the rule set. Now, if you uh, look at Brian Whitworth's work, he is a is a uh, computer scientist, also a psychologist, but now primarily a computer scientist. He has. Uh, you can Google Brian Whitworth and you'll get his, his work. He has taken some simple um, computer processes. He calls them Planck processes. And from that, he can derive most of the main components of the rule set. He can, divide, he can derive the mass, the time, the space, the charge, all of those things, and gravity and so on, force, all of those things can be derived on just based on these very simple computer processes. Mm-hmm. So what he's done is basically shown a way that the larger consciousness system could have evolved the rule set that defines our virtual reality. So you know, so that's where gravity and these other things come from. They're just part of the rule set. Now the system didn't just make up a rule set. You know, like, oh, you know, F equals MA. All right, let's put that in the rule set. You know, that's about force, mass, and acceleration. It's not the way it worked. They had some simple process, like Brian's come up with, that was able to create something that was self-consistent that then uh, produced a, uh, like I say, a, a simulation that was stable. And that's not that easy to produce. Uh, simulations tend to, over a lot of time, become unstable or to stop, to bog down, to not just keep on keeping on. That's a hard thing to do. That's where this concept of the anthropic principle comes from in physics. We notice that in physics, there are certain constants, um, you know, like 
perhaps the you know gravitation, you know, constants that have to do with that. Uh, there are certain constants, and if you change those constants, even at the fifth or sixth or seventh decimal place, just the tiniest little change, the whole universe would collapse. It wouldn't work. It never could have evolved. It can only evolve because that constant is is like that, you know, out the maybe you know seven or eight decimal places. And how did it get that way? Well, the it's called the anthropic principle because it looks like somehow those constants were set to precisely the value they needed to be set to in order for our reality to form. In other words, for a physical reality to be created. Uh, otherwise, the, you know, the matter would not have congealed. You wouldn't have ended up suns and planets. You wouldn't have ended up with all the elements. All that stuff depends on these several constants. So they say that that kind of shows that uh, there maybe was intelligent design here or that this rule set was done through many, many iterations. You know, it's like, uh, you know, digital Big Bang, take one, you know, and it runs out the simulation with the rule set and it doesn't last long enough. You know, it has to last for billions of years. Our physical universe is like five billion years old, something like that. I don't know. It's not that big a number, but five, six, eight billion years. And it had to last that long and still be stable. So if that didn't work and after maybe, uh, you know, 100,000 years it uh, collapsed, then, well, let's modify the digits here a little bit and see if we can't get that to be more stable and so on. It evolved until you had a, you know, a 14-digit number that was precisely tuned for this virtual reality to work. And there's a, there's a whole set of such numbers in, in physics. And if you look up anthropic principle, you'll see that's a big question in physics as uh, how did it get like that? Where did, how did this reality get created with such precise um, uh, initial conditions, if you will, precise numbers? So that's another thing. In a virtual reality, that makes sense. It's just evolution. You keep running that virtual reality until you get it to where it lasts as long as you need it to last. Well, Thomas, that was absolutely powerful. It really was. Uh, one of the points that you touched on there, just, I literally couldn't stop thinking about in my mind, was when, when you start like, asking the, like, these huge questions like, where does time come from and in regards to the simulation? And is that also to do with like, the rule set? Is, yeah, is it's that delta T. You have, a, you have a dynamic simulation. Dynamic means things change. So how do you keep track of things that change? A simulation has an outer loop that's called the time loop. So you have a delta T. And say it starts in the beginning at T equals zero. Then when you hit the run button, then we, have, we calculate everything that started, all initial conditions at T equals zero. And we have a rule set. Now, according to the rule set, what, how are things going to change in the next time unit. So now T equals delta T. So now you recalculate everything and see how it would have changed according to the rule set. And now you have it's equal to two delta T and see how everything changed. And now the time is equal to three delta T and so on. It just keeps time, keeps incrementing one delta T at a time. And every delta T you recalculate what the rule set says that the changes would be. You see, so if something was moving, in this delta T, then it's going to be a little bit further along on that path in the next delta T. Those are the kind of changes that are all computed. So that's how the virtual reality is run. So we have time because this is a virtual reality. All virtual realities have a outer time loop that increments time. That's the, that's the uh, 
that's the delta T I was talking about. That's the smallest unit of time is the time at which the, the simulation gets, gets uh, iterated. Wow. So that's, that's where time comes from. And, you know, charge and mass and the rest of it all are also defined by the rule set. So all that stuff is just defined. It doesn't need to have a, an origin. You see, when you get this materialism thing and, and material, uh, um, uh, what's the word, uh, causality, you have material causality, then everything has to have a material cause. Well, that's why they start saying, well, what's the cause of mass? What's the cause of time? What are the material causes? From what material process do you get time? Just like from what material process do you get consciousness? Of course, the answer is there is no material process that gives you any of those things. And that's why they're a big mystery, because there's no material process. Whereas if it's a virtual reality, it just starts that way. You don't need a a before. Let's take the world of Warcraft. If we have an elf in there, a smart elf, and he's trying to find the beginning of time of World of Warcraft, what's he going to find? He's going to find that there was none, and then instantly, there it was, incrementing along. And that's when the run button was pushed on the server to start cranking out World of Warcraft, you see? So it just happens. It just is. It's defined. It doesn't have a causal um, you know, a material causal process. That's why those things seem to just be mass, charge, space. It just, you know, physicists will say, well, they just are. You know, they didn't come from anywhere. They just are. Well, that's the nature of a virtual reality. All virtual realities start like that. They just are. When the processing starts, they exist. Well, great answer as well, and you really clarified a lot of my mind as well. Because I was going to, I was going to touch on that what you said it near the end there as well. I was going to ask you that question, but Tom as well, just to change it up as well. Something I want to I touch on with you as well is, um, and I wouldn't regret, I would regret it as well if I never got to touch on it with you. But it's, um, I would love to ask you in sort of a, a question in relation to sort of our human avatars or our meat suits, whatever you want to call them. Um, I was actually wanting love to propose to you: Are we actually really here, or or our bodies even real, or are we just sort of, um, sort of constructed to make us sort of believe that we're sort of really live in this life so to say well okay let me ask you the question you're playing world of warcraft is your elf really there oh it's the same answer you know is your elf really there well you see it it runs it jumps it fights it you know wears a red hat you know it does whatever it does and uh is it really is your elf really there yeah is no. it is it all well, based on your own perception is, is yeah, the whole yeah. game everyone's own perception? Well, look at what your elf is. Your elf is a data stream. It's data in a data stream being sent to your computer, oh. right? Okay, and you're the player. That elf doesn't do anything if you don't tell it to do it. You are its consciousness. So you're the elf's consciousness, and you say, elf, run away, elf, fight, elf, jump, elf, dance, whatever. Mm -hmm. You give it those commands from your mouse and your keyboard, and it executes those. That data, your data goes up to the server, and says, I want my elf to jump, or I want my elf to fight, and the computer, well, then implement that, make your elf jump or fight or whatever, and calculate the consequences of that, and send it back to you. And now you see the consequences. See, that's how virtual reality works. Our virtual reality works the same way. We're a consciousness. We get a data stream, a data stream from, from the computer that we interpret as this reality. So, you see, you get a data stream from the server for World of Warcraft that you interpret as the World of Warcraft reality. We get a data stream. So, there is nothing that exists. There is no physical reality. It's all just data in a data stream, mm -hmm. 
and we get the data. It's a multiplayer game, and we interpret the data as this reality frame. So that's what's going on. And all virtual realities work the same that way. It's a data stream, and there's some player that interprets that data. So now, let's is an interesting question. Let's say in World of Warcraft, there are no players. Everybody stays home. Nobody's playing World of Warcraft. What is the server generating? It's not generating anything. There are no data streams. World of Warcraft doesn't exist unless there's a player. Only when a player's logged on does World of Warcraft send data streams to each player. So if there's just one player at World of Warcraft, then World of Warcraft is sending data just to that player just to show what that player is looking at and what that player is doing and the monster that player is fighting, and that's all. all. Nothing else is being done except that one data stream to that one player. All the rest of the mountains, all the rest of the map is just not being computed, you see? So the World of Warcraft only exists in the minds of the players. It doesn't actually exist. It's, that's what I say. It's ones and zeros on a hard drive someplace. Now those ones and zeros get updated every delta T, but it's just ones and zeros on a hard drive. And if there are no players, then even the ones and zeros don't get updated. Everything's just, just there is no reality, you see? Yeah. Our reality, our physical reality, is just data in a data stream that our consciousness gets and interprets as this physical reality. So, you know, is the does that avatar really exist? Well, it exists as ones and zeros on a hard drive, and if no player is getting that data, then those those that data is just sitting there. It's not even changing. It's not being processed at all. Well, Tom, on top, on, just to add on top of that question as well, something I would love to ask you as well is I would, I'd love to touch on a bit on free will because it obviously re, 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 very relates to what you've just been saying there as well. And it's something that's been on my mind as well in regards to sort of decision making. And I wanted to sort of ask you, are we sort of, do we have free will or, or could we actually just be programmed to make us think that we do? Uh, well, you know, it's possible if we just look at things that are possible uh-huh. as opposed to things that are likely, it's possible that everything could just be programmed to just be exactly what, you know, the way we have it here. But if you look at that as far as is it likely, then the, the big question is, well, why? What's the point? Why? Where is any value in that? Where's, what's the point? What's a, you know, what's the, uh, what's the purpose or point of having everything just is, it's all computed. Just everything's computed, everything. There's no free will. There's no choice. It's just being done, and everything that ever will be done can be calculated because it's all just part of this this deterministic stream. Everything's deterministic. All the past, all the future, everything's determined. To what end? To what purpose? What's what's you know? Why would all of these resources be doing this if there's no point in it? So the thing is, it's a dead end. Yes, it's it's uh, theoretically possible, but it doesn't. There's, there's no reason why it should be that way. There's no, there's no purpose in it, no point in it. It doesn't do anything. It doesn't go anywhere. It can't evolve. You see, evolve, things have to change. If it's deterministic, nothing changes. It just appears to change, but everything's deterministic. There is no evolution. There is no change. There are no choices. Nothing ever changes. It just is. Okay, it just is. Now what? What are we going to do with it? Okay, so it just is. You see, there's nothing there. There's no purpose or point. Why would, you know, there's no, uh, it just doesn't seem to make any sense. But on the other hand, if we do have free will, 
and we are making choices, oh, now we can see lots of purpose and point in it. We are in a virtual reality. This virtual reality is an entropy reduction trainer for individuated units of consciousness. We're here to make choices that grows the quality of our consciousness, lowers the entropy of our consciousness. Uh, the larger conscious system is evolving. Things are changing and becoming, and it makes a difference of the choices we make. So yes, theoretically, that kind of that determinism is a possibility, but it's it's a you know, what can we say? It's it doesn't go anywhere. It doesn't have any value. There's nothing you can do with that. It's there's no purpose. There's no process. There's nothing. Everything just is and stays that way forever. You okay. see, there is nothing. There's no point in it. Why run through? Why run through all of it so that all of us are just going through the motions, doing what we're programmed? There's no point in that. Everything we're going to do is already there. So why? You see? So that's the problem. If you look at it philosophically, there's lots of things that are possible, just like many worlds. You know, there's a physics uh, theory that uh, every choice that's made spins off another universe, another physical universe for every choice that's made. Even down to the choice of whether a, you know, an electron has a spin up or a spin down. Every time something changes, you have to get a whole new universe. Well, that was made up just like this idea that everything's deterministic. They were made up in order for science to maintain its sense of material causality because material causality requires determinism. You see, physicists will tell you that if they knew the state of all the particles in the universe, they could calculate everything that would happen thereafter. Well, that's just not true. But they want to believe that. That's part of their belief in materialism, which requires determinism. And that forces them then to do, to say silly things that are perhaps theoretically possible, but don't make any sense. They're not practical. They have no purpose or point. And one of those is that, you know, the brain creates consciousness. Well, of course, they've tried and tried and tried to show how that works. And, of course, they never can show how that works because it doesn't work that way. Um, the idea that, uh, you know, there's many worlds was just made up in order to preserve the concept of determinism. That way you can have determinism and change at the same time because you the change is all these new universes popping up. So, see? That's, that's a, a reason for doing that. So science has painted itself into a corner with its material, materialism and determinism. And once it's backed into that corner, it has to make up some pretty wild stories in order to justify the, you know, the beliefs that it's come to in that corner. That's why it can't solve, you know, why see a constant. That's why it can't solve, you know, a better theory of quantum mechanics that isn't weird. That's why they can't answer, you know, where does the mass and charge come from and all the rest of the stuff. They're stuck because from their viewpoint, from their beliefs, they can't answer any of that stuff. That's just, you know, there's lots of things. Those are called paradoxes in physics. And there's literally hundreds of these paradoxes that physicists just don't know what to do with. They just can't answer. And they won't be able to answer it until they get out of that corner, which is the materialism determinism corner, because, you know, the answer is just doesn't exist in that corner. It's not in that in that area. But they don't want to get out of that corner because that's their belief. Any believer feels like that about their belief. They want to keep justifying that belief. So that's why we have these ideas about everything being consciousness or there is no conscious 
or you know there's many worlds theory is 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 the answer these are desperate ploys if you will by the science community to maintain determinism and materialism and they're just they don't work um you know look at the um at the many worlds okay every time an electron somewhere in the universe changes state you had a, a whole new physical universe now does that sound very rational Every time you make a decision, every time you pick your nose with your right hand instead of your left hand, a whole new universe has to go on that choice. Wow. Every time anybody does anything, if you cut your finger, then there's another universe where you didn't cut your finger. You see, every choice that everything makes, if a rock rolls downhill, there's another universe where that rock didn't roll downhill yet. So you can think, all of these physical universes – well, there's got to be, you know, trillions of trillions of trillions of trillions of trillions all to the trillion power, you know, of these universes that are being created by the millisecond. Now, we're saying that's theoretically possible, but it's just practically ridiculous. You see, it doesn't make any sense. That's the difference. That's, that's where these, these ideas come from. And it's the same with the, you know, with the, uh, you know, there's no free will. Mm. Well, that's kind of a ridiculous idea when we make choices. Why would you say that, that we make choices? And you can say, well, maybe uh, you just think you're making a choice. Well, you can say that, but it's, you know, well, you know, show me, show me that. Show me that we're just, you know, that we, that all these choices are forced. They're all predetermined. Well, nobody can show you that. All they can say is, well, that's what we believe. Well, their belief ends up with kind of a silly answer, and that is that nobody's made any choices ever. <laughs> and we just have to open our eyes and look around and say, yeah, we are making choices. I know there's three things I can do now. You could, you could have uh, sent an email to me and asked me to you know, come on the show with you and talk, or you could not have. You know, and th that you did and that I accepted and that here we are, that was a whole bunch of choices, your choices and my choices. And the choice of the people to build Skype and, you know, a whole lot of other choices that, that enabled us to do that. And that, that all of that was just predestined and that nothing ever changes. There is no future. There is no past. There is no present. There's nothing. There's just everything that just is and nothing moves, nothing changes, nothing evolves, no purpose, nothing. So, you see, it's possible but it's patently ridiculous, and it's according to the way science works. There's this idea called Occam's razor, and Occam's razor is a is a philosophical point that says if it requires a lot of complexity, if it requires a lot of assumptions, then it's not fundamentally true. That truth is elegant and simple and straightforward, and that things that have Lots and lots of assumptions propping them up or lots and lots of complexity at their foundation. They're not fundamental. There's something simpler than that that they are based on, you see. And that's the trouble with many worlds. Occam's razor throws it out in an instant because it's, it's grotesquely complex with all of these separate universes chugging away because of all the different, you know, people in this, you know, seven and a half billion of us decide to scratch our head with one hand instead of the other. You see, all these universes, well, it's just nonsense. So that's why we have these, 
these uh, ideas. There is no such thing as conscious. That's just a way of getting out of dealing with the fact that this is not a deterministic universe because consciousness can't be deterministic. Conscious, by definition, is a choice maker. It's not determined. It has free will. There is no such thing as consciousness without free will. Take free will away, and there, you know, there is no consciousness. Take consciousness away, and there is no free will. Those two are both logically necessary concepts for each other to exist. So that's why there's no consciousness, because there can't be any free will, because if there were free will, there would be choice, and if there were choice, it wasn't be, wouldn't be deterministic, and if it's not deterministic, then physicists don't feel good about it, because that's what they believe. Wow. Well, what a point, by the way, Tom. What a point. And um, as well, before I want to touch back as well, when you were talking about, um, you touched on purpose, you said you said the word purpose and point and you were talking about how it could be for like growing our quality of consciousness that's what you said and this this is a um this is a big question here that i want to ask you tom here but um and this is a sort of this goes into what this is goes into my mind here because i was actually going through my mind here should i have i should i actually choose to ask you this question and i thought hell of it i'm just when you ask, after you answered that point i thought hell of it i'm just going to ask it but actually I've, just to sort of um i want i've got to ask you this by the way but um <laughs> What do, you, what do you actually think happens after we sort of die? Okay. I can go through that process for you. Wow. And we'll go through a whole cycle. Uh, you're an avatar. Mm-hmm. And as that avatar, it's what I call a free will awareness unit. Okay. Now, a free will awareness unit is just a subset of what I call an individuated unit of consciousness. An individuated unit of consciousness is a subset of the larger conscious system. So you have a larger conscious system and you just break off a piece of that, a little individuated piece of consciousness. That's the individuated unit of consciousness. And this individuated unit of consciousness wants to evolve. It wants to lower its entropy. It wants to, uh, um, you know, decrease the entropy of its consciousness. So one way it can do that is to get into this virtual reality game where it has a lot more choices with consequences. Because if it doesn't get into this virtual reality, it can still make some choices, but there's very few consequences. There's very few immediate feedback consequences that says, oh, that was a bad choice, or oh, that was a good choice. You don't get that sort of thing. So learning isn't very fast if you're not in a virtual reality. Learning in the in the uh, just as an individuated unit of consciousness is like uh, being you know a member of a of a chat room where there's hundreds of thousands of people in the chat room, no particular rules, and everybody's just interacting however they feel like it. Now, what are you going to learn from that? See, it's hard to learn from that because you don't know any data you get could come from any source for any reason. You don't know. There's no traction on it. There's the you know, is that person just making stuff up? You know, is it all untrue or is it true or do they care or are they just having fun with you? You don't know. So if you're just in a chat room, which is the way it is as an individuated unit of consciousness, I mean, in units of consciousness, what they do is communicate. They pass data back and forth. That's what a consciousness does. It, it shares information, takes that information, processes it, puts out new information, learns from the information. It's an information processor. So... If you're a consciousness and you want to evolve, you need a richer choice of a richer array of choices that have immediate feedback and consequences so that you can tell whether you're evolving or not. And you can do it at a faster pace. So that's why we need the virtual reality to begin with. So, okay, this individuated unit of consciousness takes 
a piece of itself. And in computer talk, you could say a partition. It partitions off a part of itself, and that part of itself that it partitions off is just its quality. It just represents its quality at its being level. It represents it at the being level, not its intellect. It doesn't want its intellect to go along with this adventure because intellect is not the place where you where you learn. It's not the place where you grow. Well, you can learn at the intellect, but I mean learn in, in, the, in the sense of becoming more, of pulling yourself up by your bootstraps, of uh, lowering your entropy. That all has to be done at the being level. It has to be actual real change, not just that you think about the change or you'd like to have the change or you believe that you've changed. You have to really change, and that's at the being level. So it only takes a, a piece of itself at the being level, which represents all of its quality that it's gained for all of its experience, and it logs that piece on to an avatar. Okay, let's just say it's a newborn avatar. Now, because it didn't come with any intellect, it has to learn how to interpret the data. It's getting a data stream from the server that's serving this virtual reality, and it has to interpret it. Well, that that avatar now is a is an infant, or maybe not even born yet infant. It gets certain amount of data, light, sound, and things. And the consciousness, who has, that has no memory but just has that quality from the being level, it has to interpret that. And so on, this baby gets born, it grows up, it determines the difference between, you know, an apple and its mother and, and uh, all the rest of the things that it learns. And this consciousness is learning that. It's learning how to interpret the data in this data stream in this virtual reality game. Just like when you log on to the World of Warcraft, you have to know how to interpret that data. How do you know those little blue strips through there's a river or that's grass or those are trees? Well, they make it to be similar to our physical reality so that you'll know how to interpret the data on that computer screen. So anyway, that's how you learn how to interpret the data. And now your, your avatar then, all you know is that avatar and that avatar's experience. You, your free will awareness unit. All you know is that avatar's experience and the things you've learned from that avatar. Now, you bring with it the quality that you got from your, you know, from all your other experiences in your individuated unit of consciousness. That quality comes along with it. So you go through life and you have experiences, you make choices and you get feedback. If you make really bad choices that are self-centered and mean or whatever, then, you know, you get the feedback back from that. And if you make good, loving choices and caring choices, you get the feedback from that. So that's how you grow up and make these choices and learn to make better choices. That's why this is an entropy reduction trainer for pieces of consciousness. Now your avatar gets old because of the rule set. The avatar functions according to the rule set. It's a virtual avatar. Okay, the rule set says that biology can only go about 100 years and the avatar is going to die. So when the avatar dies... It's the same as if your elf dies and you're playing World of Warcraft and your elf dies, you know, you don't cry. You go back to the graveyard and, and, you know, and get your, you know, and run out to where you, where you died and pick up all your swords and money and stuff. It's the same sort of way. So when you're, when your avatar dies here, then immediately you find yourself being aware of a larger reality. You find yourself um, existing but not in a physical reality anymore. You're in a different reality. You're in a different virtual reality. And I just call that the uh, transition reality. That's where you transition from being uh, associated with the avatar 
to going back to being associated with your individuated unit of consciousness. So now you die, you suddenly become aware that you exist. You're just existing, kind of floating in the void here. And at that point, what typically happens is that you'll be met or you will be, uh, something will connect with you. You'll see, you know, a light and have the, and have the uh, impression will be given to you to go to it. Something like that will happen. You know, the people have near-death uh, experiences. They often find themselves in tunnels moving toward the light. Well, that's just – the tunnel's just there because they need a reference to show motion because in their, in their minds, in their experience, if you can't see motion, then you're not going anywhere. So they have to have a tunnel by which they can move relative to the, to the tunnel to show motion. Otherwise, they don't know how to move, uh, and they don't believe that you can get anywhere without moving. All these are beliefs that they have from their virtual reality experience. So you'll have that, and then you'll probably be met. You know, you'll, maybe you'll be met by your old relatives or other people that you know that are deceased, and somebody will say, "Oh yeah, yeah, this is wonderful. You really like things here." And they take you someplace and tell you to stand in line, and you know, so and so will tell you what to do. And all of this is just uh, made up stuff. None of it's none of it's significant. It's all made up just to give you time to let go and to become aware that you're now in a different reality. And as you do that, the old reality, the physical reality you're just in, starts to fade just like dreams fade. When you wake up from a dream, it's really clear for the first 10 seconds. And then, you know, a minute later, it's kind of fuzzy. And, you know, 10 minutes later, it was just barely have the outline of it. You don't know much about it at all. Well, that's the way this is. Your past life in the physical uh, virtual reality starts to fade like a dream. You start to become aware that you're in this reality. And pretty soon that physical reality is just kind of gone out of your mind and you're doing other things. That's why they distract you with relatives and go stand in line and, you know, oh, we've been waiting for you. And all the rest of that nonsense is just to distract you and buy some time so that you'll let go of the last reality. Well, then eventually you get bored there and you kind of wonder, well, what, what do I need to do? And you'll get the idea that you'd like to get back in the game. You'd like to go have some more experience. And, and uh, then you decide, well, uh, maybe back up a little bit. As you get into this, this, uh, this virtual reality, that's the, uh, that's the uh, transition reality, you are actually – you are actually becoming – more and more your IUOC, your individu individuated unit of consciousness. That partition that it had to, to partition off this free will awareness unit, that partition gets removed. And now you just integrate back into being the individuated unit of consciousness. And that happens slowly, and you really don't notice that it happens at all because you're just now in this new reality. Your perspective begins to change, and eventually you find yourself – you know, with a new perspective, and that is of the IUOC, you decide as an IUOC to get back into the game, you negotiate another uh, avatar, and when that avatar is available, you take another part of yourself, and that, that part of yourself now that you're going to make into a free will awareness unit is different, because now it has all the experience from that last lifetime to integrate with all the experiences from all the other lifetimes and learn lessons from it. So now it's a different thing, hopefully a little higher quality than it was before. Now it takes a piece of its being level, gets a new free will awareness unit, and logs back on 
to another infant. So you see, that's, that's the process. We've gone all the way around back to where we started. And that what, that's what goes on when you, when you die. So the immediate thing when you die, you'll be aware of that you really still exist. But we're not in Kansas anymore. You know, mm-hmm. we're uh, someplace else. And what is this place? And is it good or bad? And then you'll get some reassurance and everything's fine and you're okay. And yeah, here's your Uncle Fred and all that stuff. And all that's just made up. All that in a larger conscious system basically gives you all that data stream of Uncle Fred and, and the greeting and the light at the end of the tunnel and all that's fed to you as a data stream just so you will relax and kind of let go and move on. And like I say, your past life just start, is, is drifting away like a, like a dream does. And then you, uh, you know, integrate into your, into your uh, individuated unit of consciousness again. The partition's taken down and you're at one with it. And it makes more decisions and partitions another piece off and there you go again. So that's the process. Now, if you are aware of this process enough that you don't need a lot of hand-holding, then you can skip the light at the end of the tunnel. You can, you can skip Uncle Fred. You can skip all that stuff and immediately right, you know, go right back to being the IUOC and start working on what should I do next? Where are my weak points? Where are my strong points? What kind of incarnation would, would give me a maximum probability of growing up more in the ways that I need to grow up? And you can start that process. But if you're not, and these things are all surprising to you, then you get a lot of hand-holding. Then you're you're met, you're greeted, you know, you're giving stuff to do, lines to stand in, people to see, uh, you know, wait here, and -and so-and-so will be here in just a moment. (laughs) All of this stuff just to uh, get you to relax and and let go. So you get more or less process depending on how much you need. And everybody goes through a similar kind of thing. They just do it with more or less complication because they have more or less needs for that complication well tom what an answer by the weekend and you've just got my mind absolutely rattled there i'll just i'm thinking about so much so many different things all my mind's going all over there it was a beautiful answer and my, my mind's just all over the place but tom i just want to say thank you so much we'll wrap it up now because we've kept you for quite a long long time now and it's been an absolute awesome podcast yeah, and i think it's going to be i think it's going to be beautiful in the future what does come when we have get more advancement in science and technology and sort of virtual air uh, virtual realms do evolve and our understanding does become more clearer and I think it's going to be beautiful to see how that does unfold and sort of how it does affect sort of the public's dece- uh, perception and things like that on so many different levels. And um, I think it's beautiful, Tom, because I think as well what we've delved into today just really shows to me how how, myst- how mysterious and beautiful this world is. So I just want to yes. say... Yeah. How the game is. Yeah. Yeah, the you game know, is. The lo- one thing that changed since uh, I talked to you last is uh, last October, I came out with a set of, of uh, quantum mechanics experiments that I published, um, you can, if you haven't seen them, you can go to uh, my YouTube channel and uh, look up uh, MBTLA. I, I uh, talked about them in, in Los Angeles, California, and presented them. It actually does a little presentation on virtual reality, then it goes into these experiments. These are quantum mechanics experiments, never been done before, and all of them do something that is a major miracle. They all do things that are absolutely impossible if this is a material-based reality. Um, They're able to predict how, in what direction radiation is going to come out of a radioactive element. See, that's impossible. That's a random process. 
They can predict how a uh, half-silvered beam splitter will split the beam, whether it'll reflect it or transmit it. That's impossible to do that because it's a you know it's a, uh, a, a naturally uh, un- uncertain fifty-fifty uh, chance process because of the way the beam splitter's made. So your beam splitter is like a piece of glass and it's got little dots of silver all over it. And if the photon happens to hit a dot of silver, it gets reflected. And if it happens to miss a dot of silver, it goes, it gets transmitted. And before that light beam ever gets there, this experiment will tell which is going to happen. Well, that can only occur in a virtual reality run by consciousness. There's no other way for that to come because it has to be making conscious decisions of how it's going to do the answer. So anyway, I've got, uh, I think it's like six of these experiments that all do things that are uh, impossible and they verify that this is a virtual reality. No, I should say if they work, they'll verify that this is a virtual reality and that consciousness is, you know, the, is what's behind this virtual reality. Consciousness is the computer. So those have all been put out, and uh, we're working on getting some some uh, universities to do those experiments. And if they work out the way I hope they'll work out, then that will be like throwing a big grenade under the tent of science. Yeah. It, will, it will scramble everything. And so that's that's kind of new and, and exciting uh, since the last time the time we talked. So that's ongoing. Uh, hopefully, sometime this year. Uh, we'll find somebody to to um, to do that. That's cool, that by the way, Tom. As well, and when that's when that's fully complete, as well, send us over all the details and all the links to all the information because we'll share that with our audience as well. Because I'm sure our audience would love to see that grenade. <laughs> love to see the big well, grenade. <laughs> well, the MBT uh, MBTLA is is you know was put up about a month or two as soon as we could get the 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 uh, cameras edited, the data edited, and that's been up uh, probably since early December. So last year, so you can go look at that, and that'll tell you pretty much all about it. Tell you what the experiments are and how they work, and and uh, what they what they do, and how quantum mechanics works. And it actually gives an, a new theory of quantum mechanics, wherein quantum mechanics is no longer weird science. It's a it's a logical um, science, just like any other science. And you don't need to shut up and calculate. You can just look at the way it's set up, and the logic will tell you what will happen. So it becomes a logical science, not a weird science. So anyway, that's all uh, sitting there um, since last December on YouTube, MBTL, MBTLA. And uh, if your readers are interested, they can go take a look at that. Yeah, I'm sure they definitely yeah, will. Definitely Thomas will put, wanted, it. Yeah, definitely will put it in the show notes as well. Mm-hmm. Tom, I was just going to say as well, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been an absolute mind stretcher of a podcast. Thank you again for coming back on again and sharing your knowledge and wisdom. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thanks, Thomas. Honestly, from the bottom of our hearts, me and Dan, we're really we're being moved by your answers today, and you opened up a lot of doorways into into our minds. And who knows? Like, okay. honestly, I'd love to. Like, something you said to me, Tom, uh, that just like was on the tip of me uh, mind. There was like when you said that consciousness is the computer. It made me think of the question: Is it also the player as well? Yeah, consciousness is the player. See, a piece of consciousness is the player and another piece of consciousness is set up as the computer. The larger consciousness system does it all. The only thing that's fundamental, the only thing that's real, the only thing that actually really exists is consciousness. The larger consciousness system. Everything else is virtual. 
So it's a computer system, it's an information system, so it can set up a part like a computer to be the server, and it can take off, you know, take pieces of itself and uh, produce individuated units of consciousness. So all of those are just all parts of that larger system, yes. Wow, love it, Tom. Thank you so much again for your time, and honestly, thank you. Thanks, brother. Hey, you're welcome, Chris. You're welcome, Dan. Thank you. See you next time. Yeah, definitely. Wow, now that was a great part two. Tom really is a great guest for cracking open the nut and delving down the rabbit hole. Absolutely loved his answer about what happens after we die. He's such a legendary guest to have on the podcast and it was truly an honour to be able to delve into this man's incredible mind. And if you do want to do some more digging and research, I would recommend checking out Tom's book My Big Toe or going on YouTube and watching some of more Tom's videos on there. Anyway, thanks for listening, and if you guys really do believe in what we're doing with the podcast, please just take a few minutes and support the podcast if you can. Every bit we can get will help and will be amazing and really help us take this to the next level. And we'd also love it if you guys would also join in our monthly online hangout where we have some fun, deep conversations. So if this does tickle your fancy, please head over to our Patreon page and join in on the community. We'd love you to connect with you all. So anyway, thanks so much for listening to the podcast. We love you all. We'll catch you next week. Keep seeking, everyone. Peace.